Welcome to Sunday evening worship here. It's uh, 19th of April, so that means we are reading Proverbs chapter 19. I do want to show you some scripture here from Proverbs chapter 19. Uh, we're, as church family here at Broadway Baptist, we're, we're spending time going through one chapter a day. Many plans are in a person's heart. Do you have plans? Did you have plans today? But the Lord's decree will prevail, meaning the Lord has a plan, the Lord has a purpose, and that's what prevails. God loves you, God has a plan for you, and we as believers, we need to recognize this even in these uncertain coronavirus times, that the Lord's decree will certainly go through. We're going to see here tonight, as we look at the scriptures, we're going to be wrapping up Paul's second missionary journey and beginning Paul's third missionary journey, that God Use this man, he used Silas, he used Timothy for, for planting churches and advancing the gospel amidst a lot of hostility, a lot of challenges. So uh, the exciting thing is, is certainly we have our own plans, but God's plan prevails. And amidst all this uncertainty with the coronavirus, God certainly has a plan. God has a plan and purpose for revival, and it obviously and certainly will Prevail. But I'll tell you here, before we get into, uh, or actually go ahead in your Bibles and turn, Acts chapter 18. Open up your Bibles there at your home, Acts chapter 18, and we're going to actually look at the entire chapter, all, all 28 verses. So this is going to wrap up the second missionary journey. But before we even uh, look at the second missionary journey, this is going to be in Corinth, so this is where we get 1 Corinthians from. I have a slide here, uh, and this past Wednesday night in Bible study, I taught uh, for about the, the uh, parable of the sower and the types of different soil. And I want to show you that again, because we're going to get into this, because when we get to Corinth, we're going to see some of these types of soil certainly uh, come up here. The four types of soil that Jesus talked about is he went out and talked about what they call a packed soil, which would be a path, be very hard. And the Bible says birds of the air came and took the seed. And it actually says Satan was right there taking that seed. Second type of soil was very rocky, a stony soil. What happened is there was no root. It withered away. The sun beat down on it. And there was no discipleship. There was initial joy, but they just it did not last. The third type of soil we're, we'll see is what we call thorny soil. And the little, the little plant, it grows up. It came along. But then the worries of life, the troubles of the day, it choked it out. It suffocated it, and it actually died. It could not produce a great crop. And then the fourth type of soil, and this is a mu so much of Paul's ministry. So much of his ministry, he was met with, I believe, a rocky soil. There's initial joy, but then there's just uh, adversity that comes with it. It's the good soil. It grows up, it's increased, and the Bible says, we saw in Mark, that the, the crop produced 30, 60 a hundred times what was sown. And that's obviously, as we're out sowing seeds, as we are sharing the gospel amidst a pandemic, we anticipate 
God to bring revival. We're praying for God to bring revival. And we want to see good soil. So uh, I actually have one more slide here. This is Paul's second missionary journey. We're going to wrap up this slide. Okay, so here's some background information. We left off in Athens, right over here, Athens. Paul goes to Athens, the people of Athens, what are they doing? They're sitting around and they're having pointless conversations. Have you ever been in a pointless conversation? Have you ever talked and talked and talked and says, this is the most fruitless, fruitless conversation in the world? Well, Paul was certainly uh, found that, and he also found uh, gods, a lot of idol idolatry all over the place. He went to the Areopagus. He preached the gospel there to uh, one of their... He, he basically found a, 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 a god that was not named, and he used that as a platform. So then he left Athens here. We're in current-day Greece, and he sailed over to Corinth. And he goes over there to Corinth, and he has a pretty challenging ministry we're going to see. And then um, he's going to leave Corinth, we're going to see here. He goes to Centuries, he'll sail over here, stop by Ephesus. He leaves Timothy there and uh, drops him off in Silas. And then he's going to sail back here. He's going to go, he goes to Caesarea, that's where the port is, and he's going to Jerusalem to give an update. So, and it kind of goes fast. He's going to go here from Athens, uh, spend some time in Corinth, then he's just going to quickly head on back home in the boat to give an update on what's going to happen. So, and then we're going to see the launch of the third missionary journey. So, open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 18. One of the most exciting books of the Scriptures the book of Acts, the church is on fire. The church is growing. God is advancing the gospel. And now we're about to see the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church is where we get first and second Corinthians. Corinthian church had a lot of problems. The Corinthian church is where we had church discipline. We had sexual immorality. You had the uh, speaking in tongues going on that was out of control. You had people abusing the Lord's Supper. It's where we had to address some major church discipline issues. But Paul was right there. Paul loved the Corinthian church. And uh, he, he spent a lot of time writing to them and encouraging them. So open up your Bibles. Acts chapter 18 verse 1. After this, he left, he left Athens, and he went to Corinth, where he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. So Aquila and Priscilla are Jewish folks who, were, who lived in Rome but the uh, Roman emperor ordered the Jews to leave. He didn't want their, their Jewish ru rules and what they're doing there, so he basically ran them out. So a lot of them came over to Athens. They came over to Corinth. They went to Berea. They went to Thessalonica. So they would go to these other Greek-speaking Greek cities there and live among a lot of the Gentiles, obviously. So Paul meets up with this couple, and he has something in common with them. 
Paul came to them in verse 3, it says, And since they were the same occupation, tent makers by trade, he stayed with them and worked. So Paul had a side job. Paul is what we would call bivocational pastor. Bivocational pastor or bivocational minister is someone who obviously works maybe full-time in a job. Maybe they teach school. They work for um, a company. They make tents. They make leather. And then on Sundays, on Wednesdays, on uh, rest of the week, they're out doing ministry. Most pastors in America are bivocational pastors. They're also called marketplace ministers. Uh, they have a, uh, a primary job, and, um, and then they also serve in the church. And what's powerful about that is that's what Paul did. He made his living by making tents. Now, the tent making could also include leather, because probably a tent that someone would need would be made out of leather. So he was, uh, he was obviously maybe working with leather as well. But he met this couple, and they had the same job, so they teamed up, and they worked together. Now, say, why on earth would people need a tent back in Bible times? Well, remember, they did not have cars. Remember how you traveled. Walking was the primary way. So if you're walking 40, 50 miles, you are going to probably, and there might not be hotels like there are today all over the place. So you probably, and a lot of times the places people would stay at night would be a place you would bring your tent. You would spend the night in like a little designated area and sleep off to the side of the road. Now, there'd be other people around. It'd be a kind of a safe area, but you kind of carried a tent if you were traveling, and that was uh, kind of standard. So Paul would make and probably repair these tents for people. That would be, um, that was his trade. He had an, uh, that was his main occupation. It says, he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade both Jews and Greeks. So naturally, what does Paul do? He goes there to Corinth. He goes to the synagogue. That was his standard uh, practice, that he would automatically receive an audience. He knew if he wanted to talk about religious things, lead people to Christ, he would have to go where the people are. Where are the people at right now? During the coronavirus, the people aren't obviously at church. They're not at the synagogue. They're online. So if you want to be a great witness, if you want to go sow the seed, if you want to share the good news with folks, you need to be online telling them about the Lord. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, in fact, uh, Chris, let's pop, pop back up that second missionary journey slide here because we've brought up some geography. Remember what happened. Macedonia, it's over here. This is this region. We left them there at Thessalonica and Berea. And what happened? They were, remained up here because the Berean people were very respons responsive to the um, gospel. So Paul came on down here to Athens, then went on to Corinth. So eventually, remember, Paul is with, he traveled with Silas and Timothy. But he, can, he, he was one of those guys, he didn't say, he kept on going. They stayed up there and continued to disciple the church. Well, he came on down here, but eventually he came, they came back and rejoined him. So that's what happened. So now they're all rejoining and meeting up again in Corinth. So the group split up a little while, but then they got back together. But in the meantime, God brought this other couple, Aquila and Priscilla, who were also tent makers, 
who, who continued to encourage Paul. What's powerful about Paul is everywhere he's going, he's constantly discipling and bringing along other people. Any opportunity to pour and invest in other folks, he does that. Say, Pastor, how do I do this? How do I bring people along? Well, I want to tell you along. I mean, men, I mean, think about it. Do you bring your children? Do you bring your grandchildren? When you're going to do something, don't do it by yourself. Drag along someone with you. Bring your wife with you. If you're going to Sunday school, bring invite folks you work with. I mean, any, any chance to pick someone up and wherever you're going, you bring someone. That's what it means by, by just one another ministry. It's building that community. You're, and he's using the conversations to constantly talk about the Lord. You know, some of the great missionaries that came out of Broadway Baptist Church serve down in Panama right now. And I remember one of the stories I was talking to them about a year ago. They, they are up here about once a year from the IMB on a stateside assignment, and they frequently come to our church, give us an update. And Kenny and Cheryl Morris, they came and told stories about how they're constantly witnessing the people there in Panama among some of the indigenous peoples. And one of the stories they told was they said when they travel up and down the river, because the area they, need, they, area they travel is a very remote region there in southern Panama, they're in a boat and they tell stories. Say, what type of stories do they tell? Are they talking about Donald Trump? They talking about the coronavirus? No, they're telling Bible stories. They're telling the great stories of faith through storytelling. So they're using every conversation they have to push the gospel. And that's what Paul did. You never miss that opportunity. So here he is as a tent maker, and he's certainly doing the same. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 5. Silas and Timothy, they're arriving down from Macedonia. Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. This man was devoted to preaching God's word. Are you devoted to God's word? Are you devoted to, are you devoted to any opportunity I can get to communicate the good news? I'm doing it. Paul certainly did that. Verse 6, look at this. When they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his clothes and he told them, your blood is on your own heads. Meaning they rejected the gospel. He sowed the seed. And it landed on the path right there. It landed on rocky ground. Birds of air came and took it away. There was no root. He's going to people that know the Old Testament. And they rejected it. And it keeps on going here. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So he found a fellow Jew who's worshiping the Lord. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord. So there at the synagogue, even though some people rejected the leader there, the local synagogue there in Corinth became a believer. Along with his whole household. So his whole family is coming to the Lord. So if daddy gets saved, he's sharing the good news with the rest of the family. 
Many of the Corinthians, when they heard, believed and were baptized. So there, even though there is this rejection of the gospel, many of the people in Corinth, they still responded. There was still a great, great fruit that came from it. There was still that 30, 60, 100 fold increase that's coming along. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision. Now let's really look at this verse up here on the board. Have you ever been discouraged? Does God speak to you at night? Do you ever lay in your bed and it's restless? You're thinking, Lord, I need to hear from you. At night, God spoke to Paul. Paul probably been discouraged because he had just, yes, there was a lot of folks who believed, but the Jewish people who he had came for, sharing the good news with, they were rejecting. People at the synagogue, they did not want to hear it. The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking, and don't be silent. God says that to us today. Are you afraid? Are you fearful right now? Do you have doubts of what's going to happen? God's saying, Don't be silent. Don't allow COVID-19 to keep you down. God needs an army of people. He needs churches such as Broadway Baptist and the great churches here in our country to step up and fervently be praying for the gospel to go out. We need an army of people who don't become discouraged. I want you to, if you are discouraged, to realize that God does not want you to give in to that fear. Listen, we trust the Lord. The Lord holds our life. If we get sick and die... We know we're going to heaven. If we don't get sick and live, every day we give to God. Whether we're alive or whether we're dead, we're the Lord's. That's the type of attitude I'm inviting you to have. Jesus Christ wants you to start being bold for him. You put away your silence. For I am with you and no one will lay a hand on you to hurt you. Because I have many people in this city. Do you know God? I love this passage. God reminded Paul. says, Paul, you think you're alone. You think you're the only one going through this. But there's a lot of other believers out here. There's a lot of other folks who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. There's a, there's a lot of Christians that are on their knees right now. Amidst this great uncertainty, crying out, calling out to the Lord, praying to the Lord for a great revival to come. Don't think it's just you. You never want to have a pity pot party. God, we should not feel sorry for ourselves. And Paul there, Paul's being reminded that no one's going to hurt you. I'm holding on to you because there's a lot of folks, they want you to continue advancing the gospel. I want to encourage you to be encouraged by these words. God is telling you that he is with you. No one's going to hurt you. Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 11 goes on to say, 
He stayed there a year and a half teaching the word of God among them. He didn't primarily go there to build tents for the people in Corinth. What was he doing in Corinth? He was there teaching the word of God. Now on the side, he's building his tents. He's making, making uh, you know, homes to eat, to keep his business going. But his main job was teaching and preaching the word of God. He knew his purpose. God has given you a job. God has given you opportunities in your life with the primary purpose is, yes, you have to make a living, but also God is doing that to put you among folks so you can certainly advance the gospel. Keep going here in your scriptures. Verse, verse 12. While Galeo was proncusol of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack against Paul and brought him to the tribunal. This man, they said, is persuading people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. So Paul's getting in trouble. Not the first time. Won't be the last. As Paul was about to open his mouth, Galeo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing. So basically, Paul's kind of, he's, he's a year and a half. The Jews are tired of this man teaching. He's putting them down. He knows the Bible. He knows the scriptures better than they do. So they think, we're going to drag him in front of the Roman official, and we're going to try to get him killed, try to run, run him out of town. And Galeo said to the Jews, if this was a matter of wrongdoing or a serious crime, it would be a re reason for me to put, us, put up with you Jews. See, he, he's not even impressed with the Jews. He's thinking this is about religious matters. This man's going to church and he's teaching the Bible. He's not breaking the law. There's nothing wrong going on here. But if these are questions about your words, names, and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge over such things. So he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sothes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But none of these things mattered to Galeel. Now what happened here, Sothes, obviously, he, he's a believer. He's the gentleman there who's allowing Paul to come into the synagogue and teach. And they're not happy. The Jews feel like this man, Paul, is hijacked. Sothes is tolerating this guy. So let's just beat up the leader. I mean, someone's going to get beat up. The Roman guy won't allow us to kill Paul. So let's just grab the synagogue leader and give him a beat down and move on. And the, I mean, it was just lawlessness and then the roman leader won't even stop him he said oh well well that's just kind of how the ball bounced for him i mean you just see this indiscretion folks just allowing anything to go in this unusual situation here so now we're going to see a shift we're going to see a change verse 18 Actually, I'm going to read. Actually, before I read verse 18, I want to go over the power of your personal testimony. And we've got up here on the screen. Because we're going to come back to verse 18. We're going to get in that. The power of the per your personal testimony. Paul, he spent a year and a half sharing the gospel. 
He's in the synagogue. He's among the Jews. He's going to the Greeks. And he's, he's telling. He's telling the good news of Jesus. And I think one of the great things that you and I need to be able to do is how, okay, Daniel, I read this. I see how the church is on fire. How can I, how can I have this boldness? How can I have this confidence that Paul has? And some of that is realizing Paul had a great story because God saved him. If you are saved and you're listening to this, you've tuned in tonight, you're watching this, you've given your life to Christ, you have a testimony. Here is the power of a personal testimony. Number one, you are lost, spiritually lost, spiritually dead, in rebellion against God, living for yourself. Do you know anybody who's selfish? Do you know anyone who's living for yourself? That's what it means to live without Jesus Christ. Someone comes, number two, and shares the good news with you. They're sharing the gospel with you. You got saved. You believe, and this is number three now. You, someone shared the gospel. You, this is what means you got saved. You believed in Jesus and turned from your sin. You heard the gospel. You found this on the internet. You tuned in. You listened. Jesus Christ is speaking to you like He's speaking to you tonight. He's telling you that you should not be watching filth on TV. You should not be wasting your time looking at inappropriate websites. You should not be wasting your time in gossipy conversations with a critical spirit. God is speaking to you, saying you're wasting your money just shopping online. And you should be investing in kingdom work. Have you been tithing? Have you been giving to your church during this social distancing? Have you been spending extra time in prayer? Are you leading your family in devotions? Are you joining us in reading through Proverbs? Did you read Proverbs? Here we are Sunday night. Have you read Proverbs chapter 19? I want to tell you, if you're not living for the Lord when you have nothing to do, why on earth would you live for the Lord when you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week? God's allowing this period of quarantine to get your attention so you start refocusing your devotion towards Him. That's what it means. You believe. You're turning to Jesus. You're turning away from your sin. Number four, Jesus forgave all of your sins he gave you peace and purpose. Do you have a purpose? Are you a sower? Paul had a purpose. His purpose is tell other folks about, him, about Jesus. And on the side, he made tents to keep a living. Now, instead of going to hell, you're going to heaven. This is your personal testimony. You were lost. Someone told you about Jesus. You found us on the internet. Internet ministry is more, most important right now. That's how folks are getting saved. You bow right now, wherever you're at, alone, in your room or in your home, and you become a believer. You turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus. Jesus forgives your sins. And now you have peace. You have been forgiven. And you have a purpose. And instead of going to hell, separated from God, you're now going to heaven. 
If you are a believer in Jesus, that story is your story. You should be able to communicate that story. I was saved when I was 15 years old. When were you saved? What's your testimony? When God saves you, He saves you for a greater purpose. God called me into the ministry when I was 16. Called me to preach when I was 16 years old. In fact, this past Friday I celebrated my 15th year anniversary. Consecutive years being pastor. 15 years pastor, two churches. It's a calling. And I want you to encourage, say, you say, Dean, I'm not in the ministry, I'm retired. You use your years of retirement for ministry. You use your years working, your 45, 50 years of working for ministry. God calls us into our occupation, into our business. The purpose of your business is to bring glory to God. The purpose of your business is to put you in contact with folks so you can do kingdom work. God's plan for us is not just make a bunch of m money and retire wealthy and travel the world. We do kingdom work. We give to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We give to missions. We give to reaching this lost and dying city here in Lexington. In our nation that needs the gospel more than ever. I want to tell you, are you out of work right now? Do you need, a, do you need a, a blessing from the Lord? Do you need to hear from Jesus? If you are struggling and you are not thinking about the, about the gospel and about Jesus because of your job, you need a touch from God. In fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. If you lost your job this week, or you've been furloughed, or you have, you have been just, you're in... There's a lot of uncertainty. I'm going to pray for you. Bow your head right now. God, I pray for whoever's listening. That they have lost their job. They've been laid off. They've been furloughed. There's just uncertainty with their career. I pray you give them a purpose. You give them a reassurance. Lord, allow them to experience... Peace that you give us as believers. Lord, allow them to see that a job, work, it started in the Garden of Eden. We're driven, out of me, we're driven out of it and started working the ground. Lord, I pray for those financially that they're hurting. I pray you provide. Lord, I pray for your blessings upon. I pray you connect them with folks that can help meet their needs. Lord, you meet all of our needs. And Lord, I pray tonight, as there's many, uns many uncertain folks just concerned about their jobs, their families, how they're going to pay their bills. Lord, I pray you meet those needs. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God wants you to have a purpose. He gives us peace and a purpose. And men, a lot of times, especially, you, we find our identity in our careers, in our jobs. But you're in an unusual time where you're not working. 
I mean, look at me. I'm preaching to folks that aren't even in the pews. I'm an internet preacher. Everything I've been taught and learned has changed now towards the internet. Visitation is now phone calls and letter writing and emails. It's almost the whole world has changed, but what has not changed, God gives us peace and continues to give us a purpose. Keep going here in your Bible. Acts chapter 18, verse 18. We're headed back to where Paul originally left, and that was in Antioch, that was in Syria. This is the conclusion of the second missionary journey. After saying for some time, Paul said farewell to the brothers and sisters and sailed away to Syria. Accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila, so the new tent-making couple has been helping him, that he's been discipling. Now they're coming back to Syria, coming back to Antioch, coming back to Israel with Paul. He shaved his head at Century, and this is a, a, a little town there right outside of, of Athens. In fact, let's go back, Chris, to our, our missionary second missionary journey map. So Paul is leaving Corinth, and on his way out, he stops here at this little town. That's the seaport where he's about to hop on the boat. And he shaves his head. He says, why on earth did he shave his head? Did he get the coronavirus haircut? Because all the, uh, he can't get a haircut at home, at the barbershop anymore? No, he took a vow. And in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, there's what you call Nazarite vows. Uh, it's a vow mostly not to cut your hair, which a lot of men are doing and women are right now. But he took a vow to cut his hair. He took this vow, and we, we don't know what that vow entailed, but basically he felt he needed to shave his head to show a vow to the Lord. Maybe his hair got really long, so he cut it. He made a promise to the Lord right here as he's wrapping that. Probably, if we had to guess, say, what, what kind of vow? It might be a vow to return. It might be a recommitment that he had been there in Corinth for a year and a half. He had been discipling that church. And somehow, maybe it was to write his letters, or he was going to return. He's planning on coming back and continuing to discipling them. But, uh, but I'm, I'm sure it was some type of commitment he had made there. Verse 19. We're back in Acts chapter 18, verse 19. When they reached Ephesus, so now we uh, are in current day Turkey. We stopped halfway. He left them there. That's the um, couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And he himself entered the synagogue and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a little time longer, he declined. But he said farewell and added, I'll come back to you again if God wills. Then he set sail from Ephesus. So he made one pit stop. Remember, he as... He's determined to get back to Israel. And he basically just stopped there for a little while in Ephesus and encouraged the church. On landing at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem. So he obviously lands there at the main Roman, Roman port. And he's headed straight to Jerusalem. What's he doing there? He's concluding, this, he's concluding the second missionary journey. 
and greeted the church. Now, it had been a couple, three years, so he had been gone for a while. And he went down to Antioch. So, basically, he goes and he gives an update uh, there in Jerusalem to the main church. So, we see the central church is still in Jerusalem at this point. And then he's going north to Antioch. And that's really the missionary sending center. And then it says, after spending some time, in verse 23, there in Antioch, he sailed out. So now this is the beginning of the third missionary journey. He set out traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phygeria, strengthening all the disciples. Now I have one more map, last map to look at. This is the map of the third missionary journey. So now, now we have changed This right here is, I'm sorry, Antioch is right here. So this is where, this is Jerusalem down here. So this is where he's leaving from. He sets out and he's coming back in this area of Galatia and Pisidian Antioch and this whole Phamplophia, Phygeria. So this is where he's going. Say, hasn't he already been there? Yes, he's going back to this region and he's encouraging and strengthening the churches. Remember uh, Bithia and Pontius. He, Paul wanted to go up here to this northern region, but God prevented him from going and basically sent him over here to current-day Europe. That's how the gospel spread to the west. So see, this is, remember, Europe and Asia divide right here. This is all Europe. This is all Asia. So Paul wanted to go that way, but God brought him this way. And in many ways, that's why the gospel, and that's why so many, when we say the West, the Western Christians, that's what we're actually talking about. Paul went West, and that he, he's taking the gospel. So on the, that's why Christianity spread into Europe, and obviously even here into North America. So he's going into this uh, Turkey region and he's strengthening. He's going back to the believers and he's sharing them good news. This is discipleship. This is why you should stay in touch. This is why when you're in quarantine, you're following up saying, Hey, brother, how are you doing? You're reading your Bible. You're going through Proverbs. You're growing in the Lord. You're strengthening the church. Broadway Baptist Church needs to be a strong church. You as a Christian need to be a strong Christian. God has a plan and a purpose for his people that they grow closer to the Lord. Now, we're going to be introduced. Last section we're going to see here. We're going to be introduced to a new character. And this new character is called Apollos. And this, and this guy is very eloquent, meaning he's a good speaker. So, during coronavirus days, Apollos would be a great internet preacher because he couldn't preach in person to folks so he'd be very skilled in his oratory skills look here in your bible last section we're going to read this evening in your bible study acts chapter 18 verse 24 we're now on the third missionary journey now a jew named apollos a native alexandrian an eloquent man who was competent in the use of scriptures 
So what happened here, it says he was a native Alexander. That's in northern Africa. Do you think of Afri northern Africa, which is now a Muslim area, as Christian? That area in Egypt, at one point in the, in the first century, that was a Christian region. Christianity was strong in northern Africa, in Egypt, along the coast. And this guy, Apollos, he was from that region. He was an eloquent man. And it says, look what his competency was in. He was competent in the Bible, meaning this guy knew his Bible. He knew what he was talking about. He showed up in Ephesus. So this incident occurred in Ephesus. And Ephesus was the main church with Paul. Ephesus is where Paul left Timothy at. And so Timothy could be the pastor there of the church in Ephesus. And obviously, that's where we get the book of Ephesians from. All right, verse 25. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being, a fer and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. All they who knew only about John's baptism. Meaning, the guy knew about Jesus, and he knew very accurately, but he did not understand believer's baptism. He was talking about John the Baptist's baptism. So there was an opportunity. Even though Apollos was really skilled, there was still great potential for this young man to grow spiritually. Look what it says here about him. Verse 27. It goes on to say, when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to disciples to welcome him. Now, Achaia, there, that is in where Corinth is. So there, he's getting an invitation to come to Corinth with the church there. After he arrives, so now he's leaving Ephesus, Apollos, and he's going to Corinth. He was a great help to those who, by grace had believed so what happened here is god raised up this man named apollos very skilled in his oratory skills and basically he had a letter of recommendation have you ever had a letter of recommendation this is when someone else speaks very high it's almost like a a reference on someone's resume he said i vouch for this person they would be a good person so they, they would fit well with your company or with your job. And so what happened here is Apollos takes this and he goes over to current day Corinth, over to that region. And he's going he's gonna to be a great encouragement and help for them. So here's the last verse we're going to see tonight. Verse 28. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public. Meaning he was bold. He was not shy. He was going to defend the gospel. He was going to fight for what was right. Do you know, we have so many folks that are just throwing in the towel. If you, are, if you believe in biblical Christianity, you will come under attack. And I want to tell you the two issues you will constantly be attacked for. You need to understand that if you believe in the definition of marriage between one man and one woman, and sexual relations should be between one man and one woman, 
you will come under attack. You will be called names. You will be called a bigot. You will be called intolerant. And your words will seem like nonsense to a secular culture. But that is what the Bible, that is how part of God's creation, how he made it. And what happened is Paul, and now Apollos, is going to a city such as Corinth, which was known for its sexual immorality. And they're boldly standing on the Scriptures. And their words seem like nonsense. And it says they vigorously came under attack because they're proclaiming Jesus is the Messiah. And our message is Jesus is the Messiah and this is what we believe about the Bible, the inerrancy of the Scriptures. We hold to a high standard of Scripture. God's Word is, is uncompromising and it's what guides us and teaches us truth for today. If you want truth for today, where do you find it? You find it in your Bible. Apollos is there in Corinth, discipled by Paul, learning on the missionary trail, the missionary journey, learning from, here's what John's baptism was, now here's what believer's baptism teaches. Priscilla and Aquila were teaching this young man, and now he's a great witness as well. Very eloquent. And it says here, in verse 28, For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. How are you using your Bible to show Jesus is the Messiah? You stand on God's Word, if you believe human life begins at conception, if you believe in biblical sexuality, if you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven and that other world religions are lost, only the blood of Jesus saves people. If you believe that, you need to be prepared to come under attack. You need to be prepared that you will be called a name but we as christ followers we stand on god's word we love this book and listen if apollos can do it you can do it i want to go back to one of the bible verses here go back to verse 26 look here verse 26 says i actually think i skipped this bible verse and it's such an important one because it's about discipleship he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. Priscilla and Aquila discipled Apollos. He was bold. He had vigor. But he had to fine-tune his message a little bit. And there's a lot of folks out here they're just waiting for a Priscilla and Aquila to come along and to teach them about the Lord. God loves you. God's raising you up during the COVID-19 crisis so that you can stand on this book. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for your family. I want you to be more devoted than ever 
to the Scriptures. I'm going to bow my, we're going to get on one knee, and I'm going to pray for your family at home, and for you watching this, that the Lord will touch you during this time, and you won't waste this coronavirus season. Let's bow our heads. God, I pray for those that have been learning about the power of the gospel with Paul. We see it with Paul. We see it with Priscilla and Quilla. We see it with Silas and Timothy. And now we see it with Apollos. The gospel is just going out among others. And there's a boldness that we see in the scriptures that we need today. There's a confidence that nothing else matters but you, Lord. Lord, I pray we have that same confidence. Pray for the folks here in our church, in our community. Pray for our nation for revival. Lord, we pray that we will turn back to you. I pray for the scriptures to speak and just soothe through our souls and give us the peace and the purpose that we need. Lord, help us realize we, are such a, we have such a great witness today. God, I pray that you move mightily. I pray that you embolden our faith like never before. Jesus, seal these words in our heart. Let us never miss a Lord's Day, a Sunday of worshiping with you. We give you this evening worship service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray that your family is blessed by the Lord. Pray that you take these words and we see the study of Acts of, among uncertainty and difficult days. The gospel continues to advance. Have a wonderful evening.